Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Hope Over Fear annual rally with a difference. And of course, the difference is that it's virtual. We usually are in Freedom Square right now. We're usually hugging each other and shaking hands and dancing with joy. But we're in the midst of a very serious pandemic, unfortunately, which means we're meeting in unfamiliar circumstances. I'm Tommy Sheridan. I'm one of the organizers of Hope Over Fear, and I'm joined with my little niece here who's helping me to organize this event tonight. I want to say a big shout out right away to Indie Live for hosting this event. Thanks for everyone at Indie Live. They do a brilliant job. Please continue to support them because without Indie Live, then quite frankly, we don't have a media that's going to give a platform to the independence movement because we know that the mainstream media despises, they hate us because they are for the British establishment. I want to start off tonight's rally by paying tribute first and foremost to all of those families who have lost loved ones in the course of the COVID pandemic. Our heart goes out to you. To lose someone at any time is difficult, but to lose someone in the midst of these pandemic conditions is even more stressful, as I know myself from my own family. I recently lost my father-in-law, Gus, and it's very, very difficult in relation to funerals and mourning properly. So a big tribute to all of you who are coping and trying to stick together at a very, very difficult time. But in particular, I want to send a message from Hope Over Fear to all of our health workers and all of the carers all over Scotland who have done an absolutely brilliant job in very, very trying conditions. A job which has effectively put your lives at risk because you weren't properly equipped and you certainly haven't been properly paid either. If there's one thing is clear about this COVID pandemic, it's illustrated 100% that we've got our values upside down in this society. Instead of paying our bankers and our financiers hundreds of thousands of pounds and sometimes millions of pounds a year, we should be paying our health workers and our carers a proper wage. So a big shout out to those of you that have been supporting the 15% campaign calling for a 50% rise for health and care workers. Hope over fear backs you 100%. And one of the reasons we are so determined to get an independent Scotland is so that we can get away from the Tory values, those values that puts money before morals, those values that puts dividends before decency, those values that puts profits before people. Those are not the values that we respect here in Scotland. We want to build a new and a better Scotland, a Scotland that does put people before profit, a Scotland that does recognise not just the cost of something, but the value of something. That's what an independent Scotland gives us the opportunity to build, a new and a better future for we Charlotte here and for the millions of children like her who are going to get raised, hopefully, in a Scotland that stands in its own two feet and spends billions of pounds every single year 
Not on weapons of mass destruction at Faz Lane, but in schools and hospitals and houses. Those are the things that matter to us here in Scotland. And we have the opportunity to build that new Scotland. We didn't vote for Boris, and we never will vote for Boris. So as far as I'm concerned, you're welcome to a rally here tonight. I hope that you're tuning in. I hope you can hear us. We're going to have a speech from someone who's well known in the independence movement. Please sit back with your wee cup of tea and listen for the next 10 minutes or so to the wonderful Paul Kavanaugh-Aka. Hi there. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's a, a strange way to be doing a rally, but... Um, I suppose in a lot of ways it's 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 a lot more convenient for a lot of people and it means that we can reach an audience that we maybe wouldn't otherwise have reached. So and I think we're going to have to get used to working in a different way over the, the months and years ahead because I honestly don't think that the coronavirus is 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 going to go away anytime soon, sadly. But what I want to talk today about is how I think that, you know, we're now six years on from the referendum of 2014. And I honestly believe that we are closer now to achieving independence than we were, even in the last days of the independence campaign six years ago. I mean, six years ago, we failed to persuade enough people in Scotland to support our cause. We had one opinion poll towards the very fag end of the campaign, which showed that support for independence was at 51%. But now over the past few months, uh, since maybe since January, we've had seven opinion polls in a row, all of which show that support for independence is in the majority. And there are rumours of polls that are being done by the British government that show support for independence to be even higher, to be 56% or more. And I think in the months to come, that support's only going to grow as people realise just how inadequate and chaotic and incoherent the British government's response has been to the coronavirus epidemic. I mean, that was something that no one could have seen coming. And when it did begin, the, the, the kind of the settled view of the, the British nationalist commentariat was that, oh, this is going to kill the cause of independence stone dead because Scotland will realise that we need the support of the British government in order to get through the biggest international crisis that the world has faced since World War II. Instead, what's happened is that support for independence has only continued to grow because people have realised that Scotland's perfectly capable of dealing with situations of this magnitude. And in fact, it's the British government that's holding us back. So I'm convinced the support for independence is only going to continue to grow over the next few months and even more so because we are staring a no-deal Brexit in the face. And Scotland voted by a much larger margin to stay in the European Union than it voted against independence in 2014. And people are really angry that Scotland's views and opinion hasn't been taken into account at all by a British government, which has backtracked on all the promises and commitments that it made to us in 2014 in order to secure a no vote. And we hear an awful lot about how, oh, you have to respect the result of a referendum. Well, fine, we are respecting the result of the referendum. We haven't declared independence unilaterally. Scotland is still a part of the United Kingdom. 
I think far more important than the losers respecting the result of a referendum is that the people who won it respect the promises and commitments that they made in order to secure that no vote that they keep throwing back in our face now, because they haven't. Because let's be honest here, if the British government, if the Conservative Party and the Labour Party had actually fulfilled all the promises that they made to the Scottish people in 2014, none of us would be here now. People like you and me, Tommy, we might still be arguing for an independent Scotland, but nobody would be listening to us because the promises that were made in the vow, the promises of full-fat federalism, the promises that Scotland would be loved and respected would have been kept and people would have been satisfied with that. The reason that support for independence is growing is because people are disillusioned with the British state that takes Scotland for granted and continually lies to us and deceives us. And that's why independence is rising. It's the direct responsibility of the Conservatives for doing that. It's they are the, the handmaidens of Scottish independence. I was reading some very interesting statistics recently about the demographic breakdown of Scottish independence. And we're now in a situation where Support for independence is in a majority in every single age group in Scotland, except the oldest, except people over the age of 55. That's the only age group in Scotland where there is a majority support against independence. And what that means is, is that the longer that the Conservatives try and defy the will of the Scottish people and say that we can't have an independence referendum, the more difficult it is that they make it for themselves in order to win a vote when a vote finally takes place. Because the Conservatives might be able to say no to a Section 30 order following the re-election of a majority in the Scottish Parliament for independence next year, but they can't stop all democratic events in Scotland forever. And eventually, if they continue to block the democratic will of the Scottish people, at some point, one of those votes in Scotland, and recently it was the Poland consultant, um, John Curtis, suggested that the British general election of 2024 could be converted into a de facto referendum on independence, a plebiscite, a plebiscite referendum, a plebiscite election. The British government can't say no to that. They can't deny that. And if they have continued to deny the Scottish people their legitimate aspirations and rights to a referendum, by 2024, there will be a massive, massive majority in Scotland in favour of Scottish independence. It will be, without the shadow of a doubt, the settled will of the people of Scotland to have independence. And the Conservatives will have no hope in hell of winning because they'll be going into that vote in 2024, if indeed that's what happens. They begin into that vote, trying to say that Scotland is better off as a part of the United Kingdom, while at the same time trying to justify their refusal to allow the people of Scotland to decide that question for themselves. And that puts them at a massive, massive tactical disadvantage. So I honestly believe, now I don't think they're going to make it easy, I don't think they're going to just roll over right away. And I think far more important than the response of the, the Scottish government or the British government is going to be the response of the Scottish people to a refusal to, uh, for a, a refusal of a Section 30 order. But I think finally, there are voices within the Conservative Party who are already beginning to realise that the longer that they say no to an independence referendum, the more likely they are making independence to happen. And that the only hope in hell that they're going to have of preventing independence from ever happening is to go for an independence referendum as soon as possible while they still have a chance of winning it. 
So I'm not convinced that um, the Conservatives will completely say no to a Section 30 order. I think we have to make sure that, that we show them that the Scottish people are determined. They're not, like I said, they're not going to make it easy for us. It's going to take a mass campaign in Scotland in order to make sure that we get our democratic rights. But if we're determined enough and angry enough and committed enough, that's what we will get. Because this is a question of, this is a battle of wills between the Scottish people and the British government. And we are the ones that invented the word throne. And that's what the British government was going to learn. So I'm more convinced now than ever I have been that we will get our independence. And I'm pretty sure that we'll be getting it before the 2024 general election. But one way or another, the British government is going to learn that it's the Scottish people that will make that choice, not Boris Johnson, not Michael Gove, not the Conservative Party. The people of Scotland will decide for themselves when they want that independence vote. And we will be the ones to decide how that vote is carried out, when it's carried out, and who gets to vote in it. So Scotland is on the path to becoming an independent nation. Even, you know, there was a Conservative commentator Andy McIver, who wrote in this, the Herald today, and even he was conceding the point that the Conservatives know there's a significant body of opinion within the Conservative Party that realises that the game is up for the Union. He was actually talking about federalism, you know, the federalism fairy that's going to wave its magic sparkly wand and make us all, you know, part of a federal Britain, which is never, ever going to happen. But what it shows is that there are people who within, within the Conservative Party that realise that the game's up that they can't continue just to say no to independence forever. And that when they do say no, what they're doing is they're guaranteeing another huge big swing of Scottish public opinion turns to yes. And we're going to see a lot more of that over the months to come. The next Scottish elections are going to be crucial. They're going to be vital to the history of this country. We have to ensure that in that election in May next year, that we have an absolute majority of people voting for pro-independence parties in order to make sure that there is no doubt whatsoever that having another independence referendum is the settled will of the Scottish people. And when we do have that vote, Scotland will be voting yes. So thank Brilliant. you. Thanks very much, Paul. Um, very, very eloquent as always, and very informed as well. That uh, poll, the uh, Salvation poll that you mentioned, incredible if you think from 16 to the age of 54, 59% support independence. But critically, critically, from the age of 16 to 34, 72% yeah. support and independence. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yes. Remarkable. Overwhelming. Remarkable, isn't it? So it's only going to go one way. It's only going to go one way in Scotland. You know, Scotland is on the path to independence and nothing's going to stop us. But we have to be determined. And rather than people, you know, bumping their gums on social media about what Nicola Sturgeon does or what doesn't do, or what Boris Johnson does or doesn't do, the crucial thing here is what we do, that we show that we are resolved and that we are determined that we are not going to be deflected from this path that Scotland is on to becoming a better country. So, Absolutely. And as you've said, Umpteen times, I'm sure we'll all continue to say that, of course, independence for us isn't the end of the journey, it's the start of the journey, because then we can get the powers to build the type of country that you and I and our hearts would like to see that does say to refugees across the world that you are welcome here, that does say to pensioners that you are going to get a decent pension, that does say to our children 
that you are going to be valued and that you are going to get an education that you deserve. And those things, you and I know, Paul, they're only possible if we've got the economic tools at our disposal to actually implement them. Very much so. So the access hall is just in there. There he is. Hi, wee ginger, Doug. Hey, wee ginger. <laughs> Listen, thanks very much to Paul Cavanagh. Thank I hope you. you're all applauding at home. You and I look the old campaigners that we sadly are. Well, I'm, I'm looking man. at our reflections, Paul, and I'm thinking, um, never mind the old heads. What about the slap heads? Because oh, you and I regular mate. I'm going to find a campaigning group for the next... You know, I, an old friend of mine, sadly, who's gone, an old friend called Bob Pro, used to be the uh, General Secretary at RMT, and he used to always say me, because I would uh, give him a bit of a ribbon about a lack of follicles in his head, and he used to always say to me, Tommy, there is never, ever heavy traffic on a very healthy garden. I thought to myself, oh, what does that mean? He says, those with little follicles have got better brain. So I hope that's true. Next speaker at this Hope Over Fear rally, and I do want to remind you that Hope Over Fear is a grassroots organisation, so we do rely on your support, particularly your financial support, because we're going to come back physically in April next year. So there's going to be a PayPal account. And if you can afford that couple of bob, Please make a wee donation so that we can continue to pay for proper staging and for proper PA and that we can actually secure Freedom Square for the next rally in April. One person who has spoken regularly at Freedom Square on Hope Over Fear platforms and has always given a passionate uh, rendition of why we should be campaigning, supporting independence is our next speaker, Gwen Sinclair from the Yes East Ayrshire group, who have been very active from their very existence way back in 2014. Gwen, please tell us why we should keep fighting for independence. Well, I mean, what can I say? I mean, here we are. Uh, well, first of all, say Feskirma to everybody. Good afternoon. And um, how strange that we aren't in the square, but here we're getting the weather that we always get for hope over fear. And I was thinking that this afternoon, and this would have been a superb day for us all to be out there. And it seems strange that um, we're not speaking to everybody. And it's, you know, it's always a really big boost to everybody to get to see you know, what's going on, meeting up with your friends and chatting to lots of people. It's a great big boost to our uh, confidence, I suppose. But uh, at the moment, we're having to really um, just keep a focus on what's going on basically online. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I've really felt that this last six months has been really tough in terms of not just the horrible situation for COVID. I mean, obviously, we are um, really having to, you know, pull together just now and make sure that we do everything we can to to get rid of it basically as soon as we can. But there's a horrible feeling that, you know, we're having to sort of stay in a lot. We're not getting out. We're, you know, it's quite a tough situation to be in. But I'd say, certainly say that um, it's been a great idea to do this online today. I think the message is there. This is the anniversary weekend um, the, of the, the sixth anniversary it is of the independence um referendum and I suppose the talk this week has been very much about well what are we going to do next but um and there's been a few situations this week that I've actually noticed that I think that we should kind of look at a little bit well for example um 
the MP uh, from for the Western Isles, uh, Angus uh, Brendan McNeil, had a conversation with the Prime Minister, and I'm sure some of you would have seen this. Now, he, what he was doing was he was pressing him to say yes or no to delivering a Section 30 order. And for anyone who's watching today that maybe has just joined the movement, which I hope there are, I mean, the, the polls have been looking great, so I'd imagine there's people here who are maybe not, um, but, well, basically a Section 30 order is something that the government has been telling UK government's been telling Scotland we have to have in order to have a referendum again. Now, obviously, now what he was doing was he was pressing him on that and asking yes or no, and he wouldn't answer. He was squirming in his chair, he was umming and on, and he was just looking really uncomfortable. Because actually, do you know, to me watching that, and I did actually watch it a couple of times because I was quite fascinated by the body language. You've got to read between the lines. I don't think for one minute that that actually is a necessity but by his behaviour. And perhaps he's also aware of the court case that's you know, an impending court case about the Section 30 order that's been put together you know, um, by Martin Keatings and obviously for the, for the, peop the people's you know, chance to, to speak again to find out about that. So maybe he's not allowed to say, but it was really interesting. I think that's something to definitely keep an eye on. But also, if that's the case, then what is the procedure for getting independence referendum? I mean, at the moment, we have to really keep our focus on that because day by day, the situation's changing. And I feel as though we're left with this um, uncertainty and we're getting constantly, well, I'm not even going to talk about the, 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 Bre the Brexit situation just yet, because obviously we all know about that. It doesn't look good at all. It looks like Scotland's going to be crushed, basically crushed. Our democracy is going to be crushed. And um, to, if you want to bottle down what, boil down, sorry, what actually democracy is, democracy is conversation and discussion. And it's making sure that people have their say and Scotland's getting pushed out of that. And I feel as though that in itself surely must be coming to, to the awareness of an awful lot more people in Scotland. I mean, we've got the situation every day where um, we do get to hear what's going on. And Nicholas has been doing an amazing job, I think, speaking every day to the nation about what's happening. She's given a very clear message about what to do. And she's raised a huge amount of support for her doing that. And people are genuinely able to understand what they should and shouldn't do. And I feel as though that in itself has given support for Scotland and for realisation that we're no longer a, a tiny wee nation that they've tried to kind of, you know, imply that we are. They, we're actually now something to be reckoned with. And I think we're getting a lot of respect, not just in, you know, in the, Scotland, but in the rest of the UK, people are looking to see what's happening here. And I would also suggest outside in Europe as well. So I feel as though things are moving in a, Difficult, very difficult direction in terms of the, the virus and COVID, but I also think we're getting a lot of new supporters. So anybody who's watching today, absolutely delighted that you're here and just keep keep watching all the alternative media. That's it's amazing stuff every day. You know, my day would consist of things like listen to um, you know, Indie Truck Davy in the morning, what's he's been talking about, and then I would have Nicola at lunchtime, and then I would have the Scotland at seven to listen to as well. And I feel that's something we need to we need to do. We need to just keep supporting, and it's certainly kept my spirits up. You know, we're not getting to meet up and chat, but these are really important medias that we've got. Stuff at Indie Live's doing Indie Live Radio as well, and there's um, yeah, Indie Car Gordon as well, bringing out some really interesting. They do great analyses for us, and they they put it in like quite quite a humorous in layman's terms, which is really nice. But from the point of view of the yes groups. Um, I would say that it's been a tough year, yet definitely for our group in East Ayrshire, we've had to close our Yes shop down. 
um, obviously because you know that was just a stipulation we had to do. And we were struggling, thinking we might not be able to open again. We were thankful that we received some uh, financial assistance from the Scottish Independence Foundation. That was amazing to get to help us to stay open. And I'm glad to say that we actually have opened again. Our hours are basically just Tuesday, Tuesday to Friday, and our hours and things like that might change. So just check our Facebook page if you're planning to come down. Um, I think our, we usually have a, a series of events on in the winter months that you know people can come along and they're usually packed so unfortunately we're not going to be able to probably do that this year but um but hats off to our volunteers and that but but one thing which is really possibly be interested to find out if other yes groups have had this situation uh, throughout scotland that we've got a massive jump in the amount of people who are following us on facebook on twitter and instagram has been a, i mean i'd say a really quite a mark a mark rise and i would maybe suggest that's because People are maybe been off their work and they've had time to read and they're really interested. But also, I think it's important to keep putting out really positive and really strong content that people will want to see. And I feel as if that that that's a very important job we can do just now. Obviously, we can't really be out campaigning too much. But um, anyway, but just to say, I really am dead proud of everybody. I'm just so happy. Like six years on, look how strong we're getting. There's nothing we are doing wrong really here at all. If we've managed to get these amazing like. 55, 56% at the moment. And I, I think that we're looking to, that will rise. And I'm sorry, but I'm kind of greedy. I want this to rise even higher. So anybody who's still thinking about uncertain about independence, do the research, check it all out. I mean, our yes shop in Comarnock, there's a few of them all over the country. You're welcome to go in. There's loads of stuff there. But um, just to say that I think that, you know, just to keep going, to keep doing what you're doing and, um, and thanks very much to everybody. And one other thing, sorry, I just remembered, not that it's by any means least, hats off, big clap to the walkers that are doing the Freedom Walk through uh, Scotland just started yesterday and we're following that. So anyway, well, good luck to everybody. And one day, hopefully, I'll see you all soon. And thanks very much, Hope Over Fear, for having me on again this year, okay? Thank you. Brilliant, Gwen. Happy. Thank you very, very much. Um, and big hand to the Freedom Walkers who kicked off their walk. I think it was yesterday, so big hands to them as well. And I think, Gwen, it's very, very important that we continue to make the point about the eight successive, eight successive opinion polls in a row. First time ever, first time ever, from 51% up to 56% support now for independence. It is utterly unprecedented. So we are definitely on the road to freedom. I remember six years ago, Gwen, in the heart of the beast, the BBC, and being invited to discuss the loss of the referendum. And I remember as if it was yesterday, Joanne Lamont in the studio saying that she um, was happy that Scottish Labour had played its role in the defeat of the independence movement. She actually uh, sent out a tweet during the show, which Glenn Campbell from the BBC read out. And I was disgusted at the time. And I said, Scottish Labour have to understand it's a Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic victory. Named after General Pyrrhic, an old Greek uh, general who once won a victory in a famous war but in winning that victory, he lost so many of his troops that he ended up losing the war. He won the victory, 
but lost the war. And from my point of view, I said, Scottish Labour got it, ought to go and read up on General Pirrick because that's what they've won, a Pirrick victory. Because that night, Gwen, I believe they lost the heart and the soul of the working class of Scotland. Who would have thought the Labour in 2014, when in 2010 they had won so many seats and had won 42% of the vote at the general election, who would have thought they would be reduced to a mere 14% of the vote now? That's the reality of the Eric victory that they won in 2014. We are definitely on our way to freedom. I am unfortunately doing what Boris Johnson is absolutely an Olympics uh, performer at, and that is rambling a wee bit because I'm waiting on Chris McElhenney getting online. Uh, I can see his name, but I, I'm not sure whether he's actually live yet. I don't know whether he's switched on his mic and his video yet. Uh, I hope he has. Uh, I'm hoping to get a thumbs up from someone that uh, Chris is ready to address us. SMP from a uh, councillor from Inverclyde. Uh, I believe Chris may still be the group leader, but I, I'm, I don't always keep up with all of the local um, comings and goings. But if he's not the group leader on the SMP group in Inverclyde, he's certainly a very, very active councillor and someone who has been a stalwart, um, stalwart of the movement um, and continues to argue that we don't wait for a Section 30 order. We don't ask permission any longer. We go off our knees and we stop agreeing that Westminster has a veto over Indy Ref 2. I'm going to invite uh, a good friend of the Hope Over Fear campaign and all the grassroots independence campaigns to address us now, Chris McElhenney, Councillor Chris McElhenney of the SMP. On you go, Chris. Good, good evening, everyone. It is, uh, I must say, Tommy, I, I was enjoying your uh, your deluge into Roman history there. I thought you might have went back a wee bit further and started talking about dinosaurs because I know you were talking about Joanne Lamont and the Better Together Labour comrades. But, of course, it just turned out you had, you had found yourself a good bit about a, a famous battle in something like 285 BC. Uh, good, good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. I think, obviously... Six years on, uh, it, it doesn't feel like six years, but at the same time, it absolutely feels like a lifetime. And I think let's just delve straight into the first point that basically the argument against the people of Scotland having the right to choose their own future right now is that we've already done that one time before. That seems to me to be the only argument that the unionist parties through a, a BBC news night soundbite about a once-in-a-generation referendum, and which we should never again be allowed to have a choice in our own future. But what defines a generation? Because since 2014, we've had three prime ministers. I think we've had six or seven separate UK governments, with obviously with, uh, the same prime minister, Theresa May and Boris, having two of their own governments. So, I mean, what exactly defines a generation? We... Uh, since the independence referendum of 2014, the people of Scotland have re-elected the SNP to be their government with an absolute uh, cast-iron manifesto commitment to give the people of Scotland a choice in their own future. If we were dragged out of the European Union, we've been dragged out of the European Union, something that took decades 
to get us to the stage that we were at. We've been dragged out of that. So my question to Boris Johnson and any unionist political leader watching would be, and I'm sure there'll be a few, would be what exactly is your definition of a generation? Is it basically the people of Scotland only should have a choice on their own future if you think that choice is what you want it to be? That's not self-determination then. That's a tin pot dictatorship and there's no other way to describe it. And I think, uh, reflecting back to 2018, sorry, 2014, September the 18th, 2004, it was absolutely, as the famous uh, opening passage through the book says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was a, it was a summer that brought the, the greatest ever coalition of ordinary working people, of teachers, trade unionists, of parents, of people that had been out of work for many years, uh, homeless people were coming from the Inverclyde Homeless Centre across to the Yes campaign shop, asking Ronnie Cowan, who's a magnificent local organiser, who went on to become a very fine MP for Inverclyde. These were people asking us to sign them up to vote for Yes, because that was the hope that they had, because they had been failed repeatedly, decade after decade, by a failed neocon UK system. And I remember one of the, the, the saddest and happiest moments in 2014 was when somebody came to vote in Guruk and they had a day pass out of hospital. Someone had came from hospital to vote and that was the first time they'd been at a hospital in weeks. And then when they went back to hospital, all of a sudden people were, this is amazing. Can we get signed up to go and vote as well? And that's how important voting for Scottish independence was. And in 2014, think it was it was heartbreaking it was difficult and of course there was days and weeks that we were angry we were angry that we had been given the vow we had been sold a pup by Cameron Sir Clegg who is now some VP for Facebook and Miliband who gave a good speech last week but disappeared to the back benches no power whatsoever to deliver on the promises that the people of Scotland were given promises that we knew just didn't stack up such as, oh, don't bother voting for independence, just vote no, and then we'll get a Labour government back in in 2015. And two important points. Independence isn't about what the political colour of Butte House or Downing Street is. It's about the people of Scotland having the choice to elect their own government to enact any policies that the people of Scotland ask them to do. And anybody with an ounce of sense knew that if you can't get ahead in the polls of the most right-wing, neoliberal, dangerous Tory government in a generation, things weren't going to change on an election day. So that's why I was, and I am to this day, forever disappointed that the Labour Party went into the heartlands in Greenock and Inverclyde and Manchester and Dundee, which thankfully no longer a heartland. They went to housing schemes across Scotland and they lied to people. They told people in Scotland that this was a vote for Alex Salmond. This was a vote to lose your pension. They told pensioners. They put fear into their lives that they would lose their pensions. Things that we knew weren't true. I'm a councillor. I got asked last week if I could sign the authority for someone to get their pension that now lives abroad because they paid into a system and, of course, they would get their pensions. And it was fear after fear after fear. And that's why they don't want a referendum now because their argument on the European Union, it simply does not exist anymore. Their argument on, well, we can get a Labour government 
Well, that's not working very well either. So what exactly is the strong case for staying in the union? Is it is it currency? Is it, well, we should decide that we don't want to determine our own future purely because we get it up, which is at its weakest in many, many years. And with a hard Brexit and the impacts of the coronavirus, things will only get worse and worse. And I think that's why... We need to now realise that one of the slogans of the SNP in 2007 was it's time. 13 years ago, we said it's time. It's now past time. It's past time that Trident was ridden from Scottish waters. It's past time that Tory governments get to impose the bedroom tax and austerity and the rape clause in this country. And it's past time that we need to accept that in the aftermath of the coronavirus, some of the, the biggest decisions in since the Second World War are going to be made. How do we manage the debt that we've built? What we should do is we should see this unprecedented crisis is exactly that. We should treat it as a war debt, something that the Second World War debt was paid for decades after. We should just see it as something that exists so that we can continue furlough schemes, we can invest in fairer policies, I'm yet to be honest with you, I'm yet to be wholly converted to a universal basic income. I'd like people in Scotland to have the right to pursue and apply that policy if that's what we choose. But quite simply, if we stay part of the UK, it's going to be a choice of higher taxes, which I don't think the Tories want to do. We won't borrow more because that just proves that what everybody was saying when they were killing people with their austerity policies, that was a political choice, that'll prove. So what we'll see is swinging cuts to Scottish public services. Cuts to the NHS in England, which will lead to a reduction in the budget in Scotland. Privatisation of the NHS in England, which will lead to a reduction in the budget available to people in Scotland. Whereas look at Ireland. They raised €6 billion Euros in a bond to deal with the coronavirus in a week. We don't have those powers in Scotland. If we want to borrow, we can't. We can get effectively the equivalent of a very small overdraft, only if we ask the UK government their permission. We can't invest in Scotland's future. We can't choose to back up public health policies with the economic tools required. We can't make tough choices right now because we need to wait to see what Westminster are willing to do when it comes to a furlough scheme, when it comes to job protection, when it comes to people that are self-employed, etc. And I just think that the past six months, Many of those people that were undecided in 2014, they did vote no. They didn't vote no, I never want an independent Scotland. They voted no, not right now. Brexit brought many of those people across already. And the coronavirus is showing people that actually, when it comes to independence, whether people like it or not, it is a matter of life or death. Because what we're seeing is, should we leave Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummins, if we're being honest, a man that drives 30 minutes on a country road to test his eyesight with his children in the backseat of his car. Should we really leave Scotland's economy, Scotland's future, Scotland's health, Scotland's right to choose a fairer way? Should we leave it in the hands of those usurpers? No. That's why it's past time. It's time for Scotland to be an independent country and it's time for us to campaign on that positive vision of how actually independence is the way to recover from the coronavirus and independence is a way for the people of Scotland to get one thing guaranteed, the government they vote for every single time. Thank you. Thanks oh, very yeah. much, Tommy, for inviting me to speak tonight.
Brilliant, Chris. It's a great pleasure to have you on the Hope Over Fear platform again. You're a wonderful friend, not just of Hope Over Fear, but of all of the grassroots independence campaigns. You've always been a warrior for independence, and we know that we can trust you. Thanks very much, Chris McElhenney, Councillor Chris McElhenney from Inverclyde. All in a bit of the space. The independence movement is big and it's broad. And clearly, there are always going to be issues of debate and discussion about what is the best path to pursue in order to deliver Scotland's independence and Scotland's freedom. We in Hope Over Fear believe that there is not just one, not just two, but four or five clear mandates now for Indy Ref 2. The SNP won the 2015 general election. They won the 2017 general election. They won the 2016 Scottish general election. They won the 2019 general election. There have been two votes now in the Scottish Parliament. Both votes were in favour of Indy Ref 2. That's five separate mandates for Indyref 2. Our appeal from Hope Over Fear, and we're not going to fall out with everyone in the independence movement who might not agree that this is the way forward, but it's what we believe. We believe we don't ask any longer Westminster for the right to hold Indyref 2. We believe we have the mandate, we have the democratic right. We believe that what we do now is we use the May election next year as the green light. Next year, you're going to have two votes. It's imperative that everyone in the independence movement uses both those votes for independence. You vote one for independence, you vote two for independence. We discuss in the coming weeks and months the best way to use your two votes. We in Hope Over Fear believe you use your first vote for SNP. They are the de facto political leadership of the independence campaign. It's not about whether you support everything the SNP says or does. It's about the fact that they are the de facto leadership. You give your first vote to SNP all over Scotland. The most recent opinion polls indicate that on the basis of the first vote alone, the SNP are going to win a majority, a majority of the Scottish Parliament. But you've got to be aware about your second vote. Last time, 2016, 953,000 people, almost 1 million people voted SNP with their second vote. There are eight regions in the Scottish Parliament elections. And in six of those regions, the SNP won zero, zero list MSPs. In the city of Glasgow, over 121,000 people voted SNP with a second vote. The city of Glasgow returned no list MSPs. That was 121,000 votes. They weren't wasted. They were worse than wasted. They actually assisted the unionists to be elected in the city of Glasgow. Freedom City of Glasgow, yes, City Glasgow, elected six unionist list MSPs, six unionists. Why? 
because people gave their second vote to the SNP when it didn't count because they won all of the constituencies. They won all nine of the constituency seats. The latest opinion polls indicate they're going to win all nine again, but not just in Glasgow, but in every region of Scotland. We think next May's Scottish Parliament elections should be named categorically the independence election and that everyone in Scotland, everyone in Scotland should be given both their votes to independence parties. First vote SNP, second vote to another independence supporting party. That then is the green light for Indyref to no later than September of next year. No asking for Section 30 orders. We don't ask Westminster for the right to hold Indyref to. We tell Westminster that we are holding Indyref to. We politely inform them. This is a party and a government doesn't give a damn about international agreements, doesn't give a damn about international law. If they can breach international agreements that were agreed nine months ago, then by damn, we can withdraw from a voluntary agreement that's 300 years old. The Act of the Union 1707 was a voluntary agreement. Well, we want to voluntarily withdraw from that agreement. Every single independence party standing in May next year should have in their manifestos a vote for us as a vote to withdraw from the Act of Union, dissolve the Union, and hold NDRF2 in September of 2021 in order to, to deliver Scotland's freedom and the ability to build a new, a better, a fairer, a nuclear weapon-free Scotland. That's within our grasp, brothers and sisters. This is no longer a pipe dream. There are people who have been involved in the independence movement for 50 and 60 years, and 50 and 60 years ago it was perhaps a pipe dream. No longer a pipe dream. It's now within our grasp. Within a matter of months at the May election next year, Use your both votes for independence. And then that parliament must be compelled to hold the referendum come hell or high water. We don't take no's from Boris Johnson. We don't take any instructions from Westminster Parliament that's outlived its usefulness. We break the chains of Westminster and we free the unicorn of Scotland and the vision that we have of every child and every member of our communities being judged not by where they were born or how much money is in the bank account, but being judged by the quality and standard of their characters and their ability to realize their potential. Every child has potential. Let's dig deep and realize that potential, release the talents that exist in what we have as the greatest resource in Scotland. Our greatest resource isn't our land. We've got beautiful land. Our greatest resource isn't our universities. We've got great universities. Our greatest resource isn't our fishing. We've got great fishing. Our greatest resource isn't the food and beverage industry. It's fantastic. Our greatest resource isn't our oil reserves or our electricity generation. 
or our gas generation, all of that is excellent and among the top in the whole of Europe. Those are brilliant reserves. We can be a small country that's one of the richest per head of the population in the world, but it's not our greatest talent and it's not our greatest reserve. Our greatest reserve is our people. Our people, let's unleash the potential that's inherent within the Scottish people. Let's give some freedom to those who want to build a better Scotland that actually cares for people. Instead of just a national health service, we've got a national care service as well, so that we integrate healthcare and social care, so that pensioners aren't looked after for pennies, for profit. Pensioners are looked after because it's the right thing to do. Let's integrate our health service with the pharmaceutical industry. Let's have a public pharmaceutical industry that feeds our health service instead of being ripped off day in, day out by the private drug companies. Let's have our oil and our gas and our electricity owned and controlled by the people of Scotland. Run, not on the basis of profit, but on the basis of quality, on the basis of producing the best possible, safest energy, greenest renewable energy, a renewable industry that can be the best in Europe but it's owned and controlled by the people of Scotland so that we invest properly in that fantastic potential resource. Brothers and sisters, that's all. That's all within our grasp. What we've got to do, you know, we talk every year, we march or attend Barnetburn to remember the July victories of the William Wallaces of the world, the freedom fighters who gave their lives to fight for an independent Scotland. Well, we don't need to give our lives, brothers and sisters. We don't even need to lift a claymore. All we need to do is lift a wee lead pencil. Next May, use your first vote, SNP, use your second vote, independence. One of the alternative independence parties. If the one million second votes for SNP are deployed instead for independence, supporting parties and groups, we will have a parliament that's not got a narrow independence majority, but a, part in, a parliament that's got an overwhelming independence majority. Think of the prize of getting rid of some of those conceited balloons, these unionists that get sent the Scottish Parliament through the back door to talk down our country. No more talking down our country. Let's talk up our country. Let's talk up our potential for a new and a better Scotland. Our final speaker tonight is an independence warrior, someone who had the pleasure of meeting personally recently, someone who spent nine years in the Scottish Parliament as an SMP elected MSP and has spent 55 years as a member of the SNP. He's been fighting for independence almost as long as I've been living, given that I'm 56 years of age. He's now left the SNP to form another organisation, but he's certainly not left the fight for independence. Dave Thompson, let us know why it is. You've set up the Alliance for Independence. 
Well, thank you, Tommy, for that uh, wonderful introduction. It's uh, really good to be on tonight. And uh, yes, you're right. I joined the SNP back in 1965, and uh, I've campaigned through thick and thin uh, all that time, through the good times, through the bad times. Uh, I know what it's like to win. I know what it's time like to to lose. But a couple of years ago, I began seriously thinking about the whole issue of the use of the regional list vote in the Scottish Parliament. And, you know, the unionists have been uh, urging tactical voting for years. Up in the Highlands here, where uh, I was an MSP, you would always get the Lib Dems saying that only they could keep the SNP out and and urging the Labour and Tory voters to vote Lib Dem to keep the SNP out, to, to tactically vote. So when this whole thing began to be talked about again, uh, well over a, a year ago, um, I thought to myself, I actually dropped a wee letter to the National, and then someone got in touch with me. We got together. We found out that there were a number of people uh, in, in the Central Belt interested in this as well. So we all came together on the 2nd of February this year for our first meeting. And that is basically when the Alliance for Independence was formed. And the whole idea in the, the Alliance is that we're not just a normal political party. We're not a party that has set up just to promote our own um, <clears throat> general policies and so on. What the Alliance is all about is independence for Scotland. And we don't have any other policies other than independence. So all of the individuals who will stand for the Alliance and the YES groups who will come on board through our regional groups, because YES groups can join us, and indeed the smaller parties who we're urging to come together and work with us, to come under our umbrella, to stand under our banner, they'll be able to keep all their own policies as long as they back independence. Now, the interesting thing is, many folks said to us, you'll never get that model accepted for registration. Well, we have had the model accepted. The Electoral Commission have no problem with us, with smaller parties joining the Alliance for Independence, which we will have, we'll have to register as a party to be able to stand. So we've, we've established that principle. So what we now need to do is get all the small parties to come together to unite, because if we are united and we can pull the whole vote, and not just a vote, the, the activists and the folk who are keen to get independence, if we can get the yes groups to come on board and join their regional groups of AFI, and of course, as many individuals as we can, we can mobilize a massive army of people who can get round the doors, knocking on the doors, delivering leaflets, doing whatever we need to do over the next just over seven months to the Holyrood election. So we can create a very powerful pro-independence force. What we need is for people to accept and come on board and help us. Now, what's, a, what's the most important thing about next year? It is the fact that I believe, and I think everyone I speak to now in the independence movement believes, it's going to be, it must be, it has to be the independence election. 
We've got to motivate the public out there to come out and vote for independence next year. If you look at the turnouts in previous years when independence was highlighted, the turnout in the elections is always much higher. So we intend to motivate people to come out and vote, which will benefit the SNP. The SNP on current polling, and if we can increase the turnout, will get a massive majority in the constituencies alone. That means they'll get virtually nothing on the regional lists. And that's where AFI comes in. That's where our united uh, alliance comes in, that we can then scoop up a lot of the votes, the people who would normally vote SNP with their second regional list vote, and lots of yes voters who want to vote yes on the regional list, but don't maybe want to vote for the SNP, if we can get them all voting for us, all we actually need is one person in eight who normally would vote SNP on the regional list to vote for the alliance, and that will give us eight seats. If we get a quarter of the people, and there were a million people voted SNP last time on the regional list, and they got four seats, if we get a quarter of them, we'll get 16 seats. And if we can get a half of them, we'll get 24 seats. Now, we think this is a prize well worth fighting for. Because imagine a parliament in Edinburgh with 70 SNP constituency MSPs all rooting for independence. And then on top of that, another 24 alliance uh, MSPs who are pro-Indie. That would give you 94 MSPs in the Scottish Parliament who are after independence. And by definition, that would leave you with only 35 unionists. And what do the unionists do just now? They come in there and they talk Scotland down. They try to trip up the SNP government and, and the coalition with the Greens when they come together. They try to trip them up all the time. We can put a stop to that. People who vote SNP with their second regional vote on the list are more or less most constituencies, uh, regions at the moment, wasting their votes. Backing the alliance, they can make their votes count. They can send a massive message to uh, Westminster that Scotland and the Scottish people want independence, and we don't want unionist MSPs in our parliament. So it's a very simple concept. Our slogan is max the yes. Maximize the yes vote. Use the system that was basically set up to stop the SNP ever getting a majority. Use that system to max the yes. Create a super majority of pro-independence MSPs in the Scottish Parliament. What's not to like about that? So first vote, SNP. Second vote, the Alliance. And I would make a plea to all the smaller parties. Be bold. Come together with us. We'll all work together. We're a bottom-up alliance. We're not a top-down alliance. We want people to come on board now uh, to help us to build this alliance over the coming months and to get a, a massive supermajority in the Scottish Parliament next May. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. It's been a, a, a new experience for me and I'm sure a new experience for a lot of other people as well. 
please continue to support Indie Live. They're a fantastic resource for the independence movement. And please stay strong. And always remember, we're always yes. Indie Live, Radio.